0: Thanks for tuning in, we're Ace Comicals, I have with me my co-host Leon Everett, I'm Rahul Jani doing my best Greg Driver impression, let's get started! Hi guys, welcome to Ace Comicals episode 15. You might have noticed that Greg Driver, your usual host and captain of the Ace Comical ship, isn't present today. Like a negligent parent, he has left us with the keys of the house and a stack of comics to feed ourselves on in his absence. Those are his words, not mine. Um, Actually, he's on a really well-deserved holiday, so I hope he's having a great time Um, in Hungary, I believe.
1: Yeah, the, not too much of a great time. Um, I think this should be all out mutiny, considering... What he was doing to us earlier
0: yeah he was sending us photos of um him like sat in the sun with a with a with a pint of beer and uh just rubbing it in our faces generally wasn't he
1: yeah <laughs> throwing up the uh the run the jewels uh the, yeah, the pistol the, the, and fist yeah the pistol and fist like what is this
0: <laughs> like he knows what that means to us that's like our thing how could he <laughs> throw it back in our faces <laughs> It's just taunting
1: us. It's, it's horrible.
0: So uh, before we get on to what we've been reading, um, Leon, you wanted to talk about the recent milkshake drama that was going around Twitter and the internet? Yeah, just um, we've been off the
1: air for a few weeks. Um, the, the One of the things that happens when you have a, a fortnightly show. Um, and um, one thing that was notable during that is um, on July 28th, um, Marvel Comics editor Heather uh, Antos um she popped up a uh a selfie of uh her and um her fellow uh co-workers at marvel and uh just just an innocent selfie of uh them all getting milkshakes and she captioned the tweet it's the marvel milkshake crew and uh, hashtag fabulous flow i've got no idea what the fabulous flow is. <laughs> but um yeah posted that up and it's just a nice innocent selfie of uh of of people getting milkshake and they're they're all women. Okay, cool. Uh, And then two days later, she tweeted, woke up today to a slew of more garbage tweets and DMs for being a woman in comics who posted a selfie of her friends getting milkshakes. Um, And basically what happened in that interim time is that the normal Dudes, mostly dudes behind keyboards, who uh, feels upset with the current progressive way of a lot of main forms of media, which uh, used to be their their sole terrain, um, and feel it is being taken away from them with uh, every new uh, every character or story that's different from what came before. Uh, they they really came out in force and were bombarding her and supporters uh, and just making all general complaints like saying oh, Marvel should uh, stop focusing on SJW stuff and just get to writing stories. And um, this is the reason why your sales are dropping and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and bear in mind, the tweet says nothing like not even a hashtag women getting it done or anything like that.
0: There's some milkshakes. Yeah, it's milkshake. apropos of nothing, right? They yeah. were just It was just like an innocent, um, just a picture of them enjoying their job, which, I mean, let's be honest, most of us want that anyway. So perhaps it just boils down to basic jealousy and, like, not being able to handle, I don't know, not being, what, what, what are they not, what, uh, I don't Maybe understand. we all want
1: milkshake. We all want, we all want milkshake at some different level. And, like, they had milkshake and looking happy and smug with their milkshake. And it's like, <laughs>
0: screw you, screw you. It's just any opportunity to find a way to nitpick and, I don't know, bring down and marginalise people who are in a position that they just, for whatever reason, they just can't handle it. And it's absurd. Um, I mean, it it would be one thing if it was jumping off of, like you said, a hashtag promoting some thing that they, for whatever wrong reason, they may not agree with. But it was just them having an innocent time and, I don't know, just enjoying themselves. And it makes so little sense to me.
1: Well, yeah, it's just a key thing. It just there's sometimes when you're in uh spaces like these and people feel that you shouldn't be there um there's some sometimes this sort of uh narrative that rides where it's just like uh, don't don't do anything that draws attention to yourself like you're mm. you're the only woman in uh, in the office like uh dress a certain way and d- don't don't uh don't step out of line and if you're like a, a POC or something in a, you know, in a general, like uh, white aerial industry, like just uh, don't, don't kick up a fuss, like just keep quiet. But this is case in point why even then, like that's complete BS because there's zero agenda. And if, even if there was agenda, who cares, but there was zero agenda on this one. Hmm. And it's just like, still like, people need no excuse.
0: I mean, and it... honestly, I didn't even delve too far into the into the negative comments that arose from this, because um, I just I did, couldn't be bothered to read too far into it. I saw the initial uh, slew of really misogynistic and really easy, low-hanging fruit-type douchey comments, essentially. Um, and so I kind of ignored that, and I went on to looking at the positive response that came of all of this. And there were some really good... Um, feedback and good response that came from this negative drama um, yeah. a lot of people were coming up with what was the hashtag make mine a milkshake make my um, milkshake
1: make mine milkshake
0: right and so people were basically going out and showing off how they were enjoying their comics and enjoying their milkshake and um, promoting and siding with the, you know the the people who are victims of yeah
1: show, showing support and mm. like it was great it was a great um, outpouring of support and it was like across the proverbial aisle with uh, D C uh, posting up a <laughs> uh a twitter that uh, a tweet that was great and that Yeah, one, that was amazing.
0: I, yeah, I love it's that. like the solidarity.
1: It's like a, just a massive picture of like a sea of mostly women uh and it's like cheers at Marvel ladies, hashtag make mine milkshake and then uh Marvel weren't messing like um so many images were going up um of like comics with people having milkshakes um which I thought was uh pretty good and it' was just they turned a negative into uh, quite a nice uh, positive and it's a real sort of um sort of rebellious pushback to this this tired uh, this tired sort of like force of will that just can't stand really uh, not even progress or inclusion but um just can't stand to see other people um being allowed into the sandbox uh i thought i thought it was just um worthwhile to bring up because it, it um it, it it was a combination of showing sort of the dark a uh, uh, sort of underbelly of this art form but also all well, this um community but also um showing the um sort of the shining um uh, positives of this community as well
0: yeah and also to highlight that um, the the community and all the fans of comic books are all f- far wider reaching than some people would like you to believe and would like themselves to believe um, there's all sorts of people who love this medium and don't want to see anybody you know portray a negative light towards it and I think I think that's wonderful um so sh- on from that positive point shall we move on to what we've been reading let's
1: do it let's
0: do it okay so regular listeners of the show will know that i talked about a comic called demon by jason shiga last uh, last episode and um up until recently the entirety of the comic was online it was a web comic that he'd ran for uh, i think over a year and very recently it's been published and so he's taken it all down and all he has up there is the first couple of issues maybe or the first 10, 20 pages. So I read the preview and I was hooked immediately and I immediately went out and uh, bought as many volumes as I could get. I think there's three volumes out right now. I've only read the first two and the fourth is coming out in November. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, So I spoke last episode about being surprised by how violent the subject matter of Demon was. Um, It's basically about a guy who commits suicide in various ways, but keeps waking up. And it's got a kind of a Groundhog Day vibe. And there's some mystery going on as to what's happening and why it's happening and why him, and he doesn't exactly know what's happening to himself either. Um, And he commits suicide in pretty gory ways, which is kind of in opposition to how the comic itself looks, which is quite webcomic-y and quite cartoonish. Um, And holy hell, this comic goes to places that I didn't expect. Like the, (laughs) the preview gives you some violent gore and it just it I didn't realize that it would be amped up into a really adult story um and I don't want to give too much away because part of this is that it's a bit of a puzzle box story and you're kind of learning the mysteries as you go along but volume one has one of the silliest funniest goriest most disgusting solutions to a puzzle scenario that I've ever read like in ages it's fantastic and it reminds me of um like great sci-fi where you have a single conceit or say a mystical mechanism that's explored from a lot of different angles in you know a variety of different clever ways so uh, it brings to mind something like death note um or like i guess like a film like primer um where there's a particular mechanic that they've just deconstructed in as many different clever ways as possible and it kind of reminds me of like the best puzzle games um so those people who know me in real life will know that I'm a big fan of a game called The Witness. And maybe just a lot of stuff reminds me of The Witness in general, but this story did remind me of that in the way that it, it doesn't keep adding new mechanics in the way that something like Death Note does. It constantly layers on these different things that makes the scenario more and more complicated. This story has a basic conceit. And then as the story goes on, you realize that there's more to it than you realized. And you wish you've been shown this the entire time but you just don't realize the context in which you're shown it. So you're getting a deeper understanding of this core mechanic as opposed to expanding on this original mechanic. Um, I know that sounds like a very roundabout way of explaining the story, but I'm just really careful of not spoiling it. Um, If you like these kind of puzzle box stories, if you like, um, you know, gory, silly, kind of deep, but also just kind of throwaway comedy uh, I'd highly recommend it. So that's Demon by Jason Shiga. I, I should point out, I still haven't finished it, and I'm dissatisfied with it. Dissatisfied, not dissatisfied. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I can't wait to get Volume 3. I can't wait for Volume 4 to come out in November. I'm going to be, like... I, it's going to be horrible waiting between those two volumes. I can't wait to find out what's next. So, uh, yeah, Demon by Jason yeah. Shiga.
1: Yeah, that's definitely... Um, after you were speaking about it last episode, that's... Um... Definitely one that is on my list and I'm um, interested in delving into just the main, the, the core concept uh, seems right up my alley.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's kind of hard to find. It's um, It doesn't seem to have like a very big uh, publishing run. I Again, I'm not too clued up about this kind of stuff. I had to find it off Amazon in the end. Um, they're definitely available, but just, you know, be aware you might not be able to find it in your local bookshop. Um, So next one that I wanted to talk about was a comic number one, so uh, an issue number one that recently came out called Spiritus. Uh, It's been published by Vault Comics, that's V-A-U-L-T. So I'm relatively new to purchasing monthly issues, uh, certainly beyond the few long runners that I've been following for a while, so uh, stuff like Saga and Sex Criminals. Um, I'm not super clued up on the various publishers, so Vault is pretty new to me. Um, it turns out that they've been around since uh, last year, and they seem to be focused mainly on sci-fi and fantasy. It looks to be basically a curated version of all the kind of things that I like. Uh, it looks like their flag, their flagship title is called Heathen, which is a Nordic, sorry, a Nordic fantasy adventure, and has recently been published as a trade paperback. So I picked up Spiritus issue number one, uh, basically just on the strength of its front cover. I picked it up on a whim. Uh, It's written by Tim Daniel, with art by Michael Kennedy, and the story is about a lady called Kinju, who's been found guilty of murdering her husband. Um, Her punishment is basically what sets the tone for this dystopian, oppressive future. Essentially, she's going to have her consciousness put into a robot and used as labour. This scheme is called Release Works, as we find out in a propaganda piece which is shown to Kinju, which details how She will be, and I'm quoting from the book here, released from a prison state mindset that shackled our progress and how the new social compact is spurred by the notion that the individual can repay their debt without the fear of retribution. Now, I've done a lot of direct quoting from the book, uh, but I think that speaks to the quality of the writing in this. It's it's a really cool story. It's a conceit that we've seen before in sci-fi, you know, the whole concept of taking your consciousness and putting it into another robot. Um, but I just I like where this is going. We don't really see much. I mean, so what without giving too much away, it happens that Kinju is a renowned championship fighter and is given the opportunity to escape her circumstances um by people who want to use her talents um I like that this conceit is used in a different way as a as an allegory for the prison system and um, and slavery, and I assume that's where it's gonna go but I think we're gonna to have to wait until issue two to see how it expands. Um, it's kind of short; it feels a bit more like a prologue, um, which is a bit of a shame. Like it ends really quickly, but it it has worked on me in that it's made me want to check out what issue two is going to be about. So that's definitely going to be on my pull list for the next month. Yes, yeah, so the art's interesting. It's super stylized; like it's got a weird uh, polygonal and triangular sort of vibe to it. But it's and it's got a really muted yet colourful palette um like like with anything with comic book related it's worth just giving a quick google to see if the the art style meshes with you um it's really strange it's like every everything is covered in shadow but each of those shadows is has a different hue i really like it and it kind of reminds me a bit of like when you see thermal imaging cameras um or like you know in metal gear solid where you have that the thermal imaging filter and everything highlighted in different colors it oh, That's pretty me that. cool yeah it's pretty funky um yeah, I recommend that. So that's Spiritus by Vault Publishing. And the art, uh, sorry, the writer is Tim Daniel with artist Michael Kennedy. And then next up is Lark's Killer, which I believe you picked up as well, right, Leon?
1: Yeah, yeah, um, off your recommendation.
0: Yeah, so I uh, basically picked it up on the strength of it being a new story by Bill Willingham, who is the guy who came up with Fables. Um art is by Mark De Santos and colors by Salvatore Ayala. So it follows a character called Lark, who is a young runaway from our world who finds herself transported to a medieval style fantasy land of swords and dragons. Um, it's got an interesting framing device in that the story opens on a band of adventurers uh, who are searching for treasure, but instead they find the story of Lark, um, which we then go through. I don't want to give too much away, but that's, that's essentially it. Uh, style feels very like to me a Western anime. Um, like think like Avatar: The Last Airbender, where it's got a a Western fantasy setting, but with anime esque facial expressions and haircuts and eyes and all that kind yeah, of. Yeah, I'd thing. agree with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what did you think of it?
1: it? It's an interesting one because again, like when you recommended that, and then I looked into it and I saw it was Bill Willingham. I'm quite a big Fables fan, though I never finished, but I'm uh, quite a big Fables fan, and. Um, Yeah, I thought, okay, cool. I want to see what he's going to do next. And then it opens with these, like, uh, sort of muted palette, and it feels very, sort of, fantasy RPG-esque. And I was like, um, I'm not sure on this. Uh, (laughs) We'll see how it goes. And I'm not going to go too deep into um, the plot, but, yeah, like, The beginning bit starts with the the framing device, um, and then suddenly the story starts being told. And bam, there's all the colour, and there's Mm -hmm. all the uh, expression and wide eyes, and just loads of different characters uh, with very different, um, uh, very very different allegiances and morality um, uh, differences. So, like, yeah, it was it was quite interesting, and it, it did pull me in because um the cover is like so good like i i had the the Jen Bartle um cover mm. and like well like it's not really as represent uh representative of what the actual art is um i think it, it is a good um draw to to pull you in and um yeah as as quite i quite like how uh De santos is uh, is able to go through both styles and i like the sort of cartoony designs of the um, the monstrous bad guys in it and sort of like this, the ragtag uh c- connection of like people in in this beginning town that we're in so yeah it, it's it's interesting and it's um it has a nice sort of hook in the sense that it feels like we're going to get uh, a bit uh, more and more of the story uh, piecemeal each week. Mm. But then at least my main frustration with uh, monthly comics and it's just like, Oh, wish I read a trade <laughs> <laughs> like five ish five or six issues of this would have been nice. Like, cause it just scares me straight up and then I'm going to like lose that momentum a bit when I go into issue two, but um, yeah, no, I'll definitely be, um, Checking out um, the second issue, I think um, I think the the writing isn't like really on the nose, but it's it's quite um, funny at times, witty, um, and I think one of the things that Willingham is just really good at is building worlds, as uh, evidenced in Fables, and mm-hmm. I think this has the potential to build a very interesting world. I'm not saying to the level. An intricacy of that but i think it's it's building it's it set parameters and it, um i think that it has a lot of potential to to sort of fill in the dots and add some color
0: well the thing with issue ones is they always they have a lot of heavy lifting to do like they always have to set a tone and um like basically inform and hook you into the rest of the thing and then you have to wait a month for the next one and i think this does a really good job of getting the hook right and setting the tone. Like it sets up a cartoony, but mature story, I think where horrific violence happens, but it's not that graphic. And it's kind of a good balance between the two. Um, And it's funny that you bring up the pacing of this and, you know, wishing you had a trade because I felt like in opposition to something like Spiritus, where I felt like it wasn't very long and I wanted more. I think with this, it was almost overfilled. Like, the story ends on the back cover which is kind of unusual for a comic like it feels like it just ends really abruptly and for whatever reason they had to cut it down to fit exactly within these 33 pages because even the front cover um it boasts that it's 33 pages full of story and i I get the feeling it should have been like 40 or 45 yeah but they just they had to trim it down for bursting
1: at the seams
0: super is yeah (laughs) but again that's part of what makes me really want to get on to issue number two um I guess we've got to wait until next month, and you're going to have to start getting used to <laughs> the pacing of this.
1: Yeah, no, this is a killer, and uh, as as I've mentioned in in previous um, episodes, that uh, just find the the monthly grind to be killing killing me on some stuff. But I endeavour to continue because some of these series are just too um, too engrossing to, mm. to to just leave there. So, um, and I I do. I've never really been here, uh, like, in the zeitgeist of so many different titles, so that's something that's new and interesting as well.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. That's something that I'm still getting used to, and I just, I love being able to look forward to something every month, Um, and also, like, discovering new things every month. I just go to the comic book shop and just you know look through the the shelves and just anything that picks you know anything that catches my eye I like just picking up these days and that's that's not something you get to have very often you go you don't get it with novels you don't really get it with tv shows I think it's pretty unique to this medium and I I really enjoy it
1: yeah I mean it's, it's the thing where sometimes like occasionally you might hear the buzz about something um and like check it out without really knowing the details or uh, be scrolling through Netflix as as we all do and find the odd the odd, the odd film but a lot of the time that's um, removed from time a bit and it's like it's had its run by the time you see this this stuff yeah so yeah it, it does seem quite a unique thing like you walk into a comic book shop and it's uh, or you go on comicsology, and it's so intimidating seeing like all these different titles, but if you like forget about that and forget about like the sheer quantity and just look like judge a book by its cover and see <laughs> what um uh catches your eye, then um you're always gonna find something interesting,
0: yeah, I've done that so much lately, literally just book judging a book by its cover, and it's worked out so well lately, um I think that's the way to go sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's that's what I've been reading. So that was Demon volumes one and two, Spiritus issue number one, Lark's Killer number one. Um, is there anything you picked up that was brand new to you?
1: Well, yeah, uh, uh, bouncing from that, uh, based on uh, authors who've done stuff that I really liked in the past. Um, you have Secret Weapon. Secret Weapons is written by uh, the Oscar-nominated writer of my favorite film of last year, um, Arrival, uh, Eric Heiserer, uh, and the art's done by uh, Raúl Allen uh, and uh, Patricia Martin. And where do I start with this story? Because <laughs> 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 this is this is one that you've you've um, Cruised as well, isn't
0: it? Yeah, and I think I did it a bit of a disservice when I tried to bring it up because I was kind of rushing through my notes. So I, mm. I'm really keen to hear where you where you lie with this one, and then I can jump off that.
1: Well, yeah, well, well following on from what you you you've said in in the past with it, I think this book has so much style, and it's it's hard to to put um, like what it reminds me of, but it, it uses. Um, color really well and it well well builds really fast uh really efficiently but you still don't fully have a have a handle on who works with who but like um yeah the story basically without going too deep into it you have m- misfits basically super powered misfits who have been kicked to the curb and are, and are possibly being hunted um that that's the core that runs throughout them these first two issues but yeah it's, it's just it, it it's wild how it does it because you're introduced to so many so many people and they are sort of sort of linked as they as they meet up and you get tiny bits of backstory but i found it to be to be quite effective um and the way they they set up uh, each of these misfits uh, useless powers because that's the thing there you put you put it really well last week uh, last episode but like um they've just useless basically but there's like underlying use in them, so it's quite interesting to see this sort of feel of like mutants on the run feel, which is which is quite um, quite nice to see, especially uh, pitching in this way, because the world is not this dark totalitarian wasteland. Instead, it's this uh, this colourful world with uh, really stylistic elements, like lots of good um, fusions and pinks and purples and mm. and blues. Uh, So, yeah, I I quite liked it. Um, I mean, this one's one of those books where there's a a bunch of different factions uh, in the background doing stuff. And there's lots of like mystery and intrigue in the background. So you're sort of in the dark at the beginning as it sort of gets you, pulls you deeper and deeper into the world. Amongst all this intrigue, I, I think it effectively lays track for what can be what, what could be a really interesting science fiction story, which doesn't surprise me from the screenwriter of Arrival. So I'm um, I'm interested to see where it goes, um, and like I'm a, I'm a real real big fan, not just of like the art in terms of how colours used, but um, how action is con- conveyed. It has a, a real clarity to it without being like um, onomatopoeia porn or um, uh, splash page upon splash page. So I, I quite like that. Um, and I, I Again, this is one where I kind of wish I had three extra issues <laughs> so I can delve in. But um, yeah, no, I, I would definitely recommend this one. It's, it's a harder one to talk about because I feel like there's a lot of plot stuff I don't want to give away. But as is apparent, with stories to do with like teenagers or like young adults, um, uh, like on the run. Um, I think, um, there are some really, even though you've known these characters for like five minutes, there's some really nice, uh, character moments, um, as the, certain people reflect on their past and what they've been through. Mm. So, um, um, I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, and, what other tricks it has in its bag. But um yeah, definitely pick this one up. Just go in go in blind. Uh pick this one up. I mean at the very least you'll love the art I, I reckon. Um, yeah. but I think there's a, a lot more going on um uh, a lot a lot more going on in the background and a lot more uh stuff I mean there's things going on under the surface that um are not a hundred percent apparent yet so I would definitely check that one out.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's building something. Um, I mean, this is the epitome of judging a book by its cover for me. Like, I just saw, ooh, pink, and picked it up based on that. Um, And then the next month, it was like, ooh, orange. So I'm hoping that theme (laughs) continues. I don't know what the next few covers are like. Uh, The next one comes out on the 16th of August, but I'm definitely picking it up. I mean, there were a couple of things that I didn't get to say last time, which I... uh, Let me see if I got... Let me see if I can bring bring them up now. So, yeah, you mentioned the colours. There is there's something amazing going on with the colors on in this comic where every page has like a different and new and consistent color tone. Um, Like each character has a color associated with them, or at least each setting does. Yeah. And I like how it uses that as uh, a baseline for each new scenario or each new page. Um, That's really cool. And yeah, you mentioned that it's written by Heisera, who, as you said, is the screenplay writer for Arrival. It, really has a screenplay writer's sensibilities, I think, in the way that it, like you said, conveys action. There's some really interesting scenes where there's not a lot of dialogue going on, but the world is reacting to the characters, uh, which is really clever and really displays the actions really clearly. Um, And there's like another one that I really liked where there's two characters who've fallen asleep. Um, in, this, you know, yeah. in the same place, and that just what it conveys without any words is is fantastic, and it's yeah. I I think that's if it keeps up that kind of you know specific to the medium kind of work. I, I think this will be a great one in the long run.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then following on from that, I also another um, and this is another one that you've spoken about before. Um, Hmm. uh crosswind oh yeah uh, yeah cool uh by the that with the uh written by gail simone and uh art done by uh cat stags mm-hmm. um and this is a, a creator-owned one isn't it like um i mm, i'm not sure yeah about that. i think so because it says co-creators on on, on the um Oh, that that doesn't interview.
0: mean I'm doubting you it's just that I don't know <laughs> but we can we can find out and put it in the show notes just when we clarify
1: but um yeah no uh this comic I, I'm not don't really want to uh, retread uh what you said before but I mean it's no surprise I'm a big uh no secret I'm a big Gail Simone fan and with that it's no surprise that um like it's really really hooked me um the premise is it's like so interesting um and I think they use it to do and say some really uh, smart things. So mm. I, can't, I can't remember how much you've said, so <laughs> I, I don't really want to go into it. But I, w- I will say that um, events that happen near the end of the first issue play out more in the second issue. And in the second issue, I think they they effectively use this crazy uh, sci-fi conceit to uh make some interesting uh comments about gender and gender roles mm. um and i think like there's just series of pages of like two characters uh doing different acts that are not um normally associated with with um their gender kind of <laughs> if you <know>. um and
0: <laughs> you're really struggling to, <laughs> yeah, to not spoil yeah. anything are you
1: but like um I think it's just it's wordless and it's just it's so effective. Um, and like this, the, all the trappings and surroundings of the world are not what I was expecting. So it's, it's quite interesting, these uh, two worlds that they've um, uh, like sort of brought together and um, how they are sort of uh, bouncing off each other. Uh, one thing that was weird for me, and like at the at the start, like I really liked what Cat um, was doing with the Cat uh, Stags was doing with the art, where using like weird types of like shading and like deep lines. Well, not even not even really deep lines, but like non outlines. You get quite um, quite a star where like the faces are really expressive, mm-hmm. like really um, uh, like it's not cartoony at all, uh, but it, it it doesn't really have that a sort of annoying hyperrealism that you can get, and it's not mucky. Instead, it's just really um, in a way expressionist expressionistic, but also um, quite on the point so there's times where characters don't really have to say anything but this, the face they're doing like the face they're pulling ha- has the character saying a lot and with stuff especially uh going how it's going in uh issue two like it's working on an even deeper level by doing that because there's another barrier to that expression coming through and it still comes through really well and it doesn't feel Like, it could feel silly, some of the story stuff that happens in issue two, but I I think they really, I think they really, like, nail it and and, uh, ground, uh, definitely ground at least one of the characters um, in, like, a a frustrating, uh, the frustrating life that she's sort of been living before. Um, I think they really good at sort of picking up on that, push down nature of like uh, freedom and expressionism and to what she's sort of been beaten down into through life. And it's nice to see uh, like her get a chance to be more resourceful and actually clicking to some of the stuff that makes her who she is. And like at the moment, we still don't really know much about these characters. So I'm definitely on board for this one and and this this is going to be another <laughs> another weekly like what's happened what have you guys done to me <laughs> this, this podcast to uh, just curse me out i'm a trade guy i read trades and you guys have just got me on so many monthly comics now but it, it's all good and i'm loving it but um just like i think the thing that will be most interesting with this book is um how long it can sustain um the sort of main thing um and i think from like reading like uh, other works by like gail simone i i can see how it will evolve and and change and and get deeper but at at this point it's all lots of intrigue but um lots of lots of questions so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and hopeful that um, they continue down um, the path they're going and hopefully stick the landings along the way
0: yeah I fully agree with that I mean it's, it's it's easy to compare stuff like this with television where sometimes you keep going just because you started and you want to see where it's going but you kind of want to see if they can manage to pull it off Whereas I think with stuff like Crosswind, I want to see where it's going because I have faith in that they know what they're going to move into. If that makes mm, sense, like the distinction yeah. between those two things, I have I have confidence that this one's going to have some cool ideas up its sleeve to uh, to satisfy us. And I'm really glad that you're picking these things up month by month because at least now I'm not suffering alone. <laughs> well, it,
1: it it does like link in with um, like. Like this year, I um, just have. I, I used to be really big on my like binging of like Netflix shows, and I'd, I'd binge them the week they came out. But then everything else that was um, coming out weekly, I would just wait until it was on Netflix and then, or Amazon, and then uh, binge it when a season was out. But then this year, instead, I've missed most ni- 99% of the stuff that's gone up on Netflix, and we'll watch them at some point. Of all the notable shows that have dropped in bulk. But I've been really good at um, keeping up to date with like the notable weekly shows. And I think maybe that's just uh, the space that I'm in at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm living in the zeitgeist now instead of <laughs> uh, doing the bulk. And th- there are definitely uh, benefits because um, it's nicer to be up to date and be able to discuss these things before they're set in stone. And I I do kind of miss um, the days of stuff like uh, Lost Hmm. where uh, you have the proverbial water uh, cooler discussions. But I do love the sort of like theorizing without there being a definitive like answer for where things are going. So I I do like that. So um, it's nice to be up to date.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I mean, so is there anything? So which of these are you most looking forward to? because uh, we've got a new comic book days coming up we've got 9th of august um and 16th of august which will be coming up and you know before our next episode so uh which ones are your highlights
1: um probably for me will be uh curse words and god shaper now that i've caught up
0: okay so we've got curse words number seven and god shaper number five coming out on the 16th of august um So rolling back a little bit earlier, so 9th of August, uh, which will be the same day that this recording, sorry, this podcast comes out, we have uh, from my side, clue number three, uh, Ms. Marvel number 21. Um, I noticed a couple of things that I, you know, number ones that are coming out. So there's Quake Champions, which looks like it's going to be based on the old computer game. Old? God. (laughs) It's not that old. I'm that old. Quake Champions. Also,
1: I um, I think that's a tie-in because I think the new game is sort of not Overwatchy, but it mm. does have heroes in it.
0: Okay, cool. I mean, because they always kind of did, but they didn't really have that much personality, so this will be interesting, just to see if they can wrap a story around this arena shooter. Um, there's an Equilibrium comic, which I don't know anything about, I just saw the title. Um, Greg wanted me to make a point of pointing out that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Dimension X number 2 is coming out on the 9th, as is a new IP called Redlands number 1, Um And so then the week after, 16th of August, as Leon mentioned, we've got Curse Words, number 7, God Shaper, number 5. We've also got Kill the Minotaur, uh, which is number 3 coming out. And then Secret Weapons, number 3, is coming out on the 16th. And then Winnebago Graveyard, number 3, on the 16th as well. So there's lots of number 3s coming out in the next fortnight. So it turns out we've got a few more questions. Questions from the metaverse. That's what I'm pitching that we call this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Making decisive
1: decisions on the fly. I'm telling
0: Greg. uh, Don't don't tell Greg. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Right, okay. So we've got uh, a letter in from um, Zoe. And Zoe asks, Being relatively new to comics, I have a tendency to only find out about series that might appeal to my tastes a significant time after they've started. So, for example, Sex Criminals, which is just at the length now where I get a bit daunted about trying to fit in with all the other media out there for consumption, um, or more excessively Fables, which I keep bouncing off of because there's just so much to read. Is there a current series that you think might be the next big thing, but is only a couple of issues in, so that an enterprising an enterprising reader can get in at the beginning for once? And that question comes in from Zoe. Um, I think we've mentioned quite a few today, in fact, so... Uh, what did we what did we we talk about we talked about uh crosswind uh larks killer which is a number 1 that you can pick up you know if you like fables that seems to be uh a great new one seems to be in a similar a similar vein um leon mentioned curse words i think that has a a whole trade out now and issue 7 is going to be coming out soon now um,
1: is now is a really good time to get on the uh curse words um train <laughs> yeah and <laughs> I'm to we... think of the vehicle <laughs> <laughs>
0: Train, buggy, scooter, whatever. Motorcycle. It's, yeah, get on it. It's it is really <laughs> good. Like I think I mentioned in a, a past episode where I was kind of dubious, but I was I'm completely sold onto it. I think it's I think it's pretty amazing. Um God which I haven't actually caught up on properly, but you and Greg have, have been reading them regularly. At least Greg definitely has, right?
1: Yeah, I um, I've recently caught up and um that's definitely the business. Um mm-hmm. big recommendation from me.
0: Cool um if you want something a bit more comedy there's shirtless bear fighter for which there are two issues now and i believe by the next month there'll be a third um if you want something a bit more you know gothic horror horror there's uh, destroyer victor Lavelle's destroyer um and winnebago graveyard which we've talked about in the past both both of which we've talked about in the past um so yeah there's a big big list it's loads to get on uh, do you have anything to add to this liam yeah i'd say um
1: yeah there's the thing is that it, it, it's tough. It can be tough because there are so many titles coming out constantly and so many recommendations. And you hear the phrase peak TV mentioned a lot. And it's because um, we're in quite a renaissance for television now. And every show now is the water cooler show. Every show now is the is the must watch. Why aren't you watching this? You have to watch it now or you can't check Twitter all day because there'll be spoilers. Like we're just there now to a level where so much stuff where no like there's so much content nobody knows what some of that this some of this content's out or what it is so yeah it's definitely hard and I think um, the recommendations we've given and that we've given in previous weeks um, a lot of the stuff we've caught quite at the beginning and I think um, it's a a good time to jump on these but at at the same time um, I think because I've been here before, and I've I've definitely get intimidated by the sheer number of stuff. I had this a lot with manga, where where you just look at the volume list, and it was just never ending. Um, and I I definitely know what it's like where you're sort of staring up a mountain of of stuff. But I mean, comics, each issue doesn't really take that long, and like. There's not really a race to anything, really, if you're already behind. So, I mean, the way I've started to try and look at stuff where they're outright classics that I should have read or the new stuff that people said, get on this, is just read the first trade, read the first issue. If you like it, stick with it. If you don't like it, drop it. There's no reason to continue. But, like... An- we none of us have free time now, but like the odd free evening, you could probably get through two or three, two or three trades. Um, so I, I don't like if you see something where it's like, say for instance, um, like Why the Last Man, uh, which I would recommend as a, it's a complete title, so everything's there. You could you can binge that. I mean, uh, when I initially got into, it, I got into it quite late, and it was in between issues 45 and 50 were well, out at the time when I got my hands on the first trade and i did the horrible thing of catching all the way up and then it was just as each issue was only coming out every two months and there was big delays Oh God. and it took to to get the beginning like that where it was just like at my leisure and then to go from it being there might be a issue out this month maybe not uh so it was it was like a big sprint and then at the end it was just sort of flailing away trying to hold on but um like i know there's there, i had such a rich experience uh knowing that there was all this all these uh volumes waiting for me and that i i, I didn't have to worry about it being cancelled um and and the story being left on left open which is a big benefit of it so I i would say um i don't know like Try not to be as intimidated by like some of these with big big numbers. I mean, Fables is a bit of a harsh one because mm-hmm. this is so much. But um, there's there's a lot that are in the sweet spot of like um, 60 issues, and that is not that many not that many trades. And you could do one a month. You could you could do one trade a month on a particular thing that like I know that there's I, I try to move away from this sort of race to eat content. Um because I just consume so much media there's just no time I don't have time for all the games, comics, movies duh, 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 like first world problems yeah. but I think a way that I've started to deal with this is to frame it differently in my mind and I'm very mood driven and I don't want to uh, read or play or watch something that I'm not enjoying just because I want to catch it up but I I definitely think it's worth just starting with issue one uh, of like uh, issue one of like a hundred or whatever uh, and just going for it, especially if people you trust have recommended it, just have that going because in the meantime you can read bits and bobs of other stuff, but there's like, there's no race, there's no, no deadline. And that's one of the great things about all of these things They're They're still here and, they're still around in their various forms, and there's so many things that I've discovered years after the fact um, that um, really have affected me. And I mean, one of the ones currently now seem to do this with Brian K. One is Saga, which I'm planning to catch up on. Like, that was one where at the beginning I was like, really like, okay, there's a an issue or two out. Let me start reading this. Left it, and now there's like billions, but I've um, read a, a couple of the trades, and I'm slowly uh like catching up with it but um i don't know i think there's there's a big benefit to to having a lot of stuff ahead of you to read
0: hmm. i think um one of the things that i really love about catching up on stuff month to month and you know going out and buying stuff as it comes out every single month is that it does slow down that race as you said it's not turning things into just consumables i get to look forward to something for, you know, I slow myself down and I get to look forward to something for a whole month. And that's fairly new to me as well. Like the whole binging model is something that I did get into because I wanted to always keep up and there's, you know, just not enough time. I love that about the monthlies. So if if you want something that you can follow at a, you know, at this comic book pace every month, we've just listed a whole bunch. I think you'll definitely find something to like in there. Um, If you want to take Leon's advice on picking up something that's finished that you can, you know, take your own time with as well, um i think you mentioned why the last man which is a great recommendation i'd also mention lock and key which we've talked about in the past which is it's complete there's six volumes it's a complete story you can you know take as much time as you want with it there's loads of gorgeous artwork to pour over i i'd highly recommend that if you want you know something on both sides something that you have sat there and ready and waiting for you to finish and then stuff that you can pick up and take your time with as it comes out every month right so um i've got another question here from i don't know if you know this guy he's a guy called greg uh sounds like a bit of a douche to me but he asks this is greg greg driver as in captain of ace comicals greg driver he asks us from holiday along along with a picture of him sitting in the sunshine is if you could go on a ride along with any comic book character who would it be and why so leon who would you go on a ride along with
1: ultimate ride along i'd be web and with spidey like, get to sweep around one of the most beautiful cities
0: on the planet. See, great. I, I was going to say that, because, you know, ride-along... He Greg has put it in quotes, so ride-along could mean anything. It doesn't necessarily imply, you know, a vehicle. I would have gone with Spider-Man. But, as listeners will know, I've recently really got into Ms. Marvel. I would totally go on a ride-along with Kamala Khan um the ride-along being if she would embiggen herself and i could just sit in her palm as she takes me around jersey City and maybe just step over the river into into new york city that would be my that would be my pick
1: yeah i think that would be pretty cool yeah <laughs> <pick, wouldn't> it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like in, it's just like in this palm of her hand as she like you know jogs you around the city It'd be great yeah
1: her, her powers are pretty good for that because i think i would probably get a bit of whiplash and my hair would get messed up a bit, and I'd have to wear goggles. Still, be worth it though. One
0: hundred percent. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's not like Spider-Man has has a bad track record with dropping, well, catching people and them dying, but it'd be cool.
0: <laughs> well, they're both, you know, New York City area-ish people, so I think I think that just shows off how much we both desire. To Jersey's to New not
1: New York. City.
0: Well, I mean, <sighs> close enough, right?
1: You get chased out of Queens, saying that. <laughs> I'm just showing my ignorance for geography here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay. So I guess that's all the questions we've got time for today. Um, so the hub for following us or getting in touch with us is our website. That's www.acecomicals.com. Uh We can be found on iTunes and all major podcast platforms under Ace Comicals. If you want to send us a question or give us feedback, send us an email. Uh, that's at uh, acecomicals at gmail.com. We're all on Twitter a lot. The group Twitter is at Ace Comicals. So that's at A-C-E-C-O-M-I-C-A-L-S. Uh, but you can also follow us individually. So I'm at Monke. That's at M-O-O-N-K-E-H. Um, Greg is at Bato. Which Bato? Bato? I never know how to pronounce it. I think it's from Bato Side the Killer, as in uh, it's a Japanese manga. Um, at B-A-T-T-O-U. Um, Leon, how about yourself? And I'm at Leon
1: Everett. I'm not going to spell it out. <laughs>
0: Wonderful. So that's been Ace Comicals, over and out.